1: Central.com. It is Friday morning. This is Sex Talk with John T. Searle. Tamar is away this weekend. And Bruce is here. It's really cool to have you here, Brucey.
0: Good morning, South Africa.
1: And beyond. And beyond. Beyond. You have to know. This is around the world. Oh, yeah. International. Which is so awesome. And a really special guest this morning, Verna Petersa. Good morning. Hi, John T. How are you doing? Really cool to have you here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And we are talking about. Bisexuality, the spectrum of sexual behavior, of expression, um, and where do you fit into that? We would love to hear. So message us on zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero. Any questions you have about bisexuality, about your experiences, anything you want to know. We are here to answer your questions and talk all about it. I am babbling for a bit because I have gone totally blank on what the dirty dictionary word.
0: Oi! Should we make one <laughs> so, up? Like a game of boulder Dash? I think
1: we're going to have to. <laughs> I've gone totally blank on it.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, maybe it'll so, come back to you later. Right. Well,
1: and then we will do the dirty dictionary word. <laughs> and as soon as I think of another one, we will do it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we had such a big event last night We did the sound journey in the water Which we have never done before Which was so incredibly deep and beautiful um, And it's just put me in this other space Okay, so How did you know you were bisexual? <laughs> As a starting point <laughs> Yeah,
2: so um, That is a very good question Um so maybe I should, uh, take you back a bit. Um, yes. I, I realized that, uh, I had an emotional and physical attraction towards, uh, boys and girls at the early stage. Um, but I mean, I grew up, what I was in my teens in the nineties in South Africa in, on the East Rand, growing up in an Afrikaans house, going to the Ennegekak. There's not, uh, um, there's not a lot of, uh, Places where you can go to talk about uh, You know, these kind of Feelings and Mm. emotions So Come teen You know, teens um, I just thought I was gay um, Because I was attracted to men as well You know, although I was attracted to women Um, But uh, So I met My first girlfriend I had in high school And uh, when I when we kissed <laughs> You know I really liked it a lot And Then I thought Sure Am I actually gay Um And Uh Yeah It was just a Quite a Confusing journey And uh, In my late 20s I went Uh To Seek therapy And uh, Luckily I found Uh An LGBT uh, Affirming therapist uh, Professor jean Um And uh after a couple of sessions, you know, we realized that I, I'm bisexual and mm. I'm not, you know, I'm not gay nor straight. Um, at that point in time, I've been, I was dating my my wife um, for seven years. At that point in time, and uh, I then came out to her um, and I told her, "Listen, I'm bisexual," and uh, she was surprised because she never expected anything. Because we, you know, had a healthy sex life. We uh, and, you know, we were good friends. We had a good relationship. Um, and yeah, so, uh, a year later we got married <laughs> and, uh, I'm in what you call a mixed orientation marriage where my wife's heterosexual and I'm bisexual. And, uh, it comes with certain nuances that are sometimes challenge- challenging. You know, it's, uh, the way I can explain it is that, you know, you, it's difficult to talk butterflies to caterpillars, you mm. know, um, but luckily both of us are committed to you know to committed to each other and to make our relationship work so it's just a matter of incorporating this other part of me into into our relationship mm. as well so <laughs> is so it,
1: yeah is it harder to be bisexual than it is to be gay what do you think
2: so to be honest with you it does
1: come with more stigma um because it doesn't fit into anything In our society Yes Our society kind of recognizes th- There's a very clear label for being gay Yes Whether it's accepted or not is secondary Yes But it exists yeah. um, Bisexuality is something I think people don't really get Mm-mm. It's it's What is this? It's in between It's not here It's not there Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges um,
2: You know, because as a matter of fact Bisexuality is the whole spectrum between gay and straight, hmm. and there's a big spectrum. Um, and to give you an example, uh, so a couple of weeks ago, there was this person that I spoke to, and he asked me, Am I really bi or am I just actually gay? And I initially, my first response is, um, you know, having. Done this many times I do feel kind of a bit of an obligation To educate people um, And then I spoke to him I said no I'm bi um, I'm attracted to men and I'm attracted to women um, Both physically and emotionally And uh, Had this long discussion And uh, then he understood what I said And then the, the next day I felt a little bit, a little bit Upset about the, the, the question Actually because th- wh- Why I felt upset was that no one would ever ask a straight person are you really straight hmm. and no one will ask a gay person are you really gay you know so what makes it right to ask a bisexual person are you really bisexual oh. if you understand what i'm saying
1: so the interesting thing that's when i was doing some reading in the week that's coming up is more and more people are identifying as bisexual, as sexually fluid, um, not bound by the labels. And essentially, across the spectrum of sexuality, what's coming out is that nobody is actually fully 100% straight, whatever that may mean. Mm. Um, which is fascinating.
2: Yeah, there is, uh, um, as we spoke, uh, like we t- talked about before the show, um, you know, there's more and more research being done that confirms what exactly what you said. And, uh, you know, I'm more than willing to share the resources, um, that I've obtained through a whole bunch of my contacts in the bisexual activist community. Mm-hmm. And then you, you can make it available to your listeners, uh, online. Um, so yeah, you're entirely right. There's, uh, there's, there's really, especially amongst the youth currently, um, more and more people that are younger between 18 and 24 don't identify as entirely straight or mm. entirely gay mm. and it's also becoming more common that people don't um pigeonhole themselves anymore yeah. um yeah and that's which in is line
1: good. With, it is and it's in line with so much thinking around the world you know people's jobs are more fluid than ever before um the fact that we'll go through different relationships different phases in our lives yeah. Uh, more jobs than ever in the past, mm. things like that. So, Brucie, Cindy from Ireland says hello
0: to you. Hello, Cindy from Ireland. There we go. <laughs> See. <laughs> so, I, I, one of the things I really love the fact that you mentioned that sexuality is a, a spectrum, and I think um, you know, just for some some of the listeners who may not be familiar with these. Terms and labels and mm. things. It, so, you bisexuality is is a term used for people who identify as being attracted to both male gender and the female mm. gender. And then you get omnisexuality or pansexuality, which is somebody that can be attracted to somebody irrespective of their gender orientation or sexual orientation. So, uh, the the thing that I I find interesting about it is that this you know even a spectrum. Talks about two binaries, you know, so it's everything that falls in between A and B. But I think sexuality and orientation is, that's two dimensional, a spectrum. I think it's even more complex than that. I think it's three dimensional. So, for example, for me, for, for personal reasons and for, for ease, I've just adopted the term or the, the label gay because I found it the easiest. But, uh, my, Personal story Is that when I, I I was at university I came out as gay I told everyone I'm gay I had this huge Big cathartic Experience I informed my parents And I was like The world is is Simple It's easier You know Now I know who I am And now everybody else Knows who I am And then I promptly Went and fell in love With a, a, a woman In my drama class And um, Went into a relationship With her for three months And to this day She's still one of the Greatest loves of my life And even though I I don't uh, adopt the label of bisexuality. Uh, Well, I haven't, um, because most of the relationships and and the attractions that I've experienced subsequently have been with other men and uh, would be predominantly labeled as gay. I don't consider myself to be purely gay either, because she's still one of the most uh, fundamental intimate relationships that I've ever had in my life. So I've, I definitely feel that it's not as simple as falling under one category. And, and so I don't, you know, even though I, uh, I think it's great for us to have these terms, bisexual, heterosexual, homosexual, pansexual, it's also, as you say, great for us to Use these terms loosely and not pigeonhole ourselves. Well,
1: that's the fluidity. Um, mm. and then we need to add another dimension, which is, which is time, which we were talking about a little bit before the show, Vern, and I'll come back to that. Yeah. But I'll tell you that in my practice, I've been working a lot with people lately who were married to someone of one gender, mm-hmm. um, relationship ended and they fell in love with somebody of the same gender. And it was about falling in love with the person. Yes. Mm. And the genitals became secondary. Mm. And that's it's incredible to be able to do that and to recognize it. So the dimension of time that we were talking about was interesting, which says that over time, your attraction to different people will kind of wax and wane. It will go up and down. There'll be times you'll be more attracted to men, times you're more attracted to women. But the same thing goes for the fullness of sexuality. Like if you think about the world of bondage, for example, there's times you'll play in that more. There's times you'll play in that less. If you play with other people and you have um, experiences beyond just one partner, there's times you will do that more. There's times you will do that less.
0: Definitely.
2: That is exactly that is exactly right. And I think I just want to read this one definition of bisexuality. Yes. Um, so Robin Ox is a, a a bisexual woman in America and an activist. And uh, there is, you know, this is also one of the challenge, challenges we've got with bisexuality. If you if you take a whole bunch of different dictionaries, and you take the dictionaries and you look at the definition of bisexuality. I can almost categorically say that each one will be slightly different. Different, Okay. So this definition that I came across from Robin Ox is probably for me personally. And I'm not saying, I'm not advocating that this is the definition for bisexuality, but for me personally, this is one of the best. It says, I call myself bisexual because I acknowledge that I've in myself the potential to be attracted romantically and or sexually to people of more than one sex and or gender. Not necessarily at the same time Not necessarily in the same way And not necessarily in the same degree And this is one of the best definitions Because the beauty
1: of. of that is possibility Exactly Which says I'm not being close to anything Yes hmm. And that's amazing
2: And, uh, um, you know, I just want to, to emphasize what, uh, what what Bruce said Is that, um, you know, there's Unfortunately, it's for us So for to explain to people um, that are ignorant and not ignorant because they want to be just because of they they didn't have the information. Well, society gives yes, us that. Exactly. Um, so <clears throat> it is It's easier to explain something by explaining it and giving it a name. Mm. Okay. So that's unfortunately why we have the acronym, not unfortunately, but Mm. that's why we have the acronym LGBTIQ plus. Okay. And it becomes more, some, some people have more letters in there and Mm -hmm. it becomes a bit of a alphabet soup acronym. Absolutely. Right. But (laughs) it's good that we've got because pansexuality and omnisexuality Actually falls under the bisexual umbrella, right? So that's why we, a lot of people talk about bisexual plus and then the plus encompasses everything else as well. Um, and it's, uh, it's important for us to, to talk about that and, and the, and it makes it easier for people to understand when you explain it to them. Like if you talk about bisexuality, you can put a name to it and you give it, can give it a definition and explain to it, explain it a bit. And then you can talk about, Pansexuality or omnisexuality or transgender, um, you know, being transgender or just queer or questioning or whatever. Um, and it does, and from my experience, it does make it easier to communicate to people if you can put a name to mm. it. So, um, I, a while ago, I was writing something and I was not sure if I should use the acronym LGBTIQ plus or if I should use something else. And one activist, um, Estravan LeGuin Le in in New York said that what's what what she she's been um doing now is she talks about GSMs, gender and sexual minorities. So that's a very encompassing term mm. as well. Wow. I like so, that. Interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: There's something else about this that's very interesting is the difference between a sexual attraction and an emotional attraction. Yes. And you know, in the spectrum of, of, of sexual play, a lot of women will say I'm bi. Mm. Um and essentially that means that they might have a sexual experience with another woman. But that's not necessarily an emotional yes. attraction. And I think that there are men who would do the same thing, that they would want to have or have a sexual experience with another man, but not necessarily an emotional mm. attraction. Mm. Mm.
0: And I think the complexity there it, it goes even further because sometimes what happens, and I think this is what what makes life so interesting is that you start you develop an emotional attraction to someone and you've never even considered you know you, you've probably never found somebody of the same gender as you physically attractive you've never had that sort of physical reaction but then because of an emotional connection with somebody then you eventually do start feeling Mm. a sexual Mm -hmm. and physical so there are multiple entry points so sometimes you know through developing a relationship with an emotional attraction to somebody you develop into it into a a sexual relationship and then other times the opposite where somebody is just you know you just see them as an object sexually and eventually you get to know them And fall in love with them and develop an emotional connection.
1: There's a great quote from from, um, an incredible porn star, Nina Hartley, Mm. um, who's now doing the most amazing educational work. And her quote is uh, essentially, when it comes to pleasure, I don't care who's down there as long as they know what they're doing. (laughs) But there's also a difference between sex and sensuality Mm -hmm. in terms of we can enjoy a sensual experience Mm. with someone of a certain gender that's not necessarily sexual.
0: Definitely. So, for
1: example, a hug from a man is incredibly different to a hug from a woman.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we get amazing things from that. Um, Mm. And we know it's one of my big platforms that men do not get nearly enough touch and loving touch and That's its whole other story. But essentially, there's a, it's again all of this beautiful spectrum of possibilities. And the more that we kind of box ourselves in it with labels, the more we limit our possibilities and our experiences. Yeah. Mm. So
2: it's interesting that you mention this now. Um, interestingly enough, I saw a post on bisexual dot org this morning that said that how homophobia has robbed men in the USA from physical touch, yeah. and uh, you know, men heterosexual men specifically uh, that are um, single, you know, they can go months without physical touch, and it's not good. It's not good for your mental mm. health. No, what and is, for your physical uh, the lack of touch. Well.
1: Is enormous and, mm. and the problems and the, the health issues that come from that on mm. every level of our being are
0: huge. Mm. Infants who are not touched die.
1: Yeah. That was one mm. of the things that got me interested in this. You know, in first mm. year psychology, all these studies of, of what happens when we don't get touched, mm. when we don't get affection, the classic studies of the monkeys mm. who went to, they'd go more for affection than for food. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a huge thing. There was, sorry, sorry. There was a beautiful thing that I I shared on Facebook this week. Um, it was an article from The Guardian in, in the UK. And it was about how we've demonized touch in a way. You know, Mm. where therapists won't touch people. Doctors are taught less and less to have physical contact with patients beyond examining them. We were terrified to touch people in certain situations because of where our world has put touch and what Mm. it means. You know, where teachers are, are really nervous to hug pupils. Mm. Um, and it's this, it's become demonized. Like mm. we've thrown the baby away with the bath water yes. and we've thrown the bath away as well. Um, and it's become this nightmare to negotiate. It's a, it's a pity. Um, there was a, a
2: very good friend of mine from Toronto in Canada. Um, he informed me because I, there was a period where, um, I was, I was yearning for physical touch, Mm. uh, from a man and just not necessarily sexually. And then he sent me this information about in Canada, there's, uh, there's cuddle parties. Yes. Um, and I read up on this and this sound, uh, sounded amazing. And I was actually thinking that I want to start one in South Africa and it's just a, a, a you know people go and they get together and they watch a movie and they cuddle yeah and it's nothing sexual and they just like lie on the couch and they hold each other No, they're
1: spread around the world yes. it's amazing and it's just a, an opportunity for people to be touched yeah and you know w- when we do water flow massage which you came to the yes. last one that we did um and often a man will be paired up with another man And it's a very sensual and connecting space. Mm. It's not sexual at At all. all.
0: no. Mm. And
1: the incredible release that happens in that is amazing when we allow ourselves to be put in that space. It's a
2: beautiful experience. You know, where people are, they can do it without being judged and, you know, they can, um, you know, can live... Un- unapologetically um, but, Well that's the big thing
1: that. Is the judgment So yeah. we won't reveal that Because of the yes. fear Of being judged Yes um, yeah. How do you negotiate Sex with someone else In your relationship
2: So um, For me uh, Obviously being married To a woman um, And working to becoming Polyamorous It takes a lot of talking um, It takes um Agreements, and uh, you need to be cognizant of um, each other's needs and wants and boundaries. Okay, so um, th- I think that is the the crux of the matter. And whether or not you're bisexual, or if you're heterosexual or gay, and I think that holds true for, for the principles are the same. Exactly. Um, you know, there's also you know obviously there's some big difference between cheating. And being open ethically, um, and we are working towards becoming open ethically um, we 're not there yet, but we 're getting there um, so to answer your question, I think it differs for for people um, there's actually you know there 's so many permutations around around polyamory and bisexuality. Um, I think to properly answer your question, it would be. Best to say that it's different for each Person um you know Every person will 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 have Different things that they're comfortable Mm. with and uh, You know how they want to live their lives Um and I think you Just need to incorporate that into your Current relationship Mm. if you are in one And but open communication Is very important you know one thing That I've realized is that Unfortunately also as A society and specifically in South Africa I don't Know for, for whatever reason we don't Talk about our feelings um and your your friend or your partner or whoever or your boss for that matter is not going to it's not going to be telepathic and sense what you're thinking or feeling. You need to, you need to convey the message and you need to articulate it properly. Otherwise the person is not going to know where you're at. And that's very important.
0: I just need to take that idea even further. Thank you, Werner, for saying that articulating your needs and wants. It it also goes into the realms of sexual health. When you're consulting with your doctor or you are going to your local clinic and you, you know, uh, in my capacity as representative for we, the brave and health for men, it, it is so much more beneficial to you if you can find a, a medical practitioner or a doctor or a clinician who you feel comfortable with that you can disclose who and what you are and what you're up to completely so that they can mm. be equipped to help you the, the best they can in terms of your your primary health care needs. Yes. So, for example, somebody who has... So, if you're a man who has sex with other men but doesn't necessarily identify as gay um, and you are having sex with... Uh, both men and women or, uh, any uh, people on the, on the sort of, um, gender spectrum. Um, you need, there are certain things that you need to, to be made aware of. There's certain STIs that, that uh, you may be, uh, susceptible to, or that you may be at risk of, that you might not be. So, disclosing those things to to practitioners that you trust is very important mm. for maintaining your sexual health and well-being. Yes.
1: The interesting thing with that is finding practitioners who are accepting. Yes, and I don't know that that's so easy. Um, yeah. um,
0: we have a fantastic database of mm. of medical practitioners called Yellow Doctor. So you can go onto our our website and and find www.yellow.doctor and Yellow Doctors. We pride ourselves on the fact that there's nothing that they haven't heard before. Mm. So you mm. can go to a yellow dot doctor, um, as, as a, a, whatever your sexual orientation may be or whatever your gender expression might be. And they should be able mm. to accept or at least have some sensitivity towards your unique perspective mm. and be able to help you with regards to your unique sexual health mm. or general health. Uh, requirements because we all have we're different so we all have we all require different things.
2: Yeah. Uh, I I just want to say that I'm actually very happy to be here and I'm happy that I've met Bruce because one of the things that I really want to do as a next step from this bisexual support group that we started in South Africa is to start a website and one of the um, resources that we want to have on this website is um, bisexual affirming general practitioners and bisexual affirming therapists. Mm. Because um, I've had to go through my own journey to find those. And I've got a small list, um, and, but hopefully it will expand. And then I can
1: team up with you, Bruce, and
0: we mm. can
2: make yeah. that information I've worked available. I've
1: a lot of people in my practice with those issues. Yeah. And it's amazing. Um, yeah. Because one of the hardest things for people on this journey is to find people that they can talk to, that they can work with, yeah. without any judgment, with acceptance. Exactly. So
2: I just wanted. Uh, there's two things that I want to I want to share, um, and I just want to ask that we just maybe five minutes in the in the show just talk about. Bisexual Health Awareness Month as well. Do I just it want to now. Okay. Should I do it now? Right now. Okay. There is
1: no better let's, time than this let's, moment.
2: Let's do it now then. And then, but I, I want to just remind me that there's the two, two stories I want to share with you. So, um, yes, March marks Bisexual Health Awareness Month and it's, uh, um, an awareness month run by, uh, the Bisexual Resource, Resource Center, um, from the States um and uh, it's actually just to raise awareness around uh, bisexual mental and physical health okay now a lot of recent studies have been indicating that bisexuals actually make up the majority of the lgbt community um some studies indicate 40% some studies indicate 50% sure i didn't know that yes yeah. and i've got the resources and i'm i'll, I'll mm-hmm. i'm i'll gladly share that and a recent uh, a recent study on a recent study on um, uh, by the Movement Advancement Project. Um, I just want to share some some st- statistics. Uh, bisexual women and men are at a higher risk of living in poverty than straight people or gay and lesbian people. Why? Why? I don't have the answer. Okay. For
0: that. I, I can suggest. I yeah. think it's the issue is is because there's prejudice from from both sides okay. of the binary. And this is something that I'm that frustrates me a lot. Is that we ha- you have stigma and. Prejudice and discrimination From the the heteronormative community Which is Mm -hmm. the straight community And you have prejudice And ostracize You know People being ostracized By the gay community Because for them It's a binary You know Like you're either gay or straight Mm, You're sitting on the fence If you buy And that's nonsense There there are many Many different colors In the the color spectrum So just because You happen to identify As purple Doesn't mean that Somebody else can't be Blue or green Yeah um, I,
2: I agree with that, Bruce. Um, and so this is a very, very interesting uh, fact, actually. Gay men and lesbians are at a lower risk of living in poverty than straight women, which is a very interesting statistic. Sure. Um, only about 30% of bisexual people are out to important people in their lives as compared to more than 70% of gay and lesbian, gay and lesbian people. Uh, bisexuals are four times more likely to commit suicide compared to straight people Whereas gay men and lesbian women are twice, uh, t- two times more likely to commit suicide compared to straight people uh, One in four bisexuals have never told anyone that they are bisexual That's 25% Whereas only 4% of gay men and lesbian women have never told anyone that they are gay hmm. One in five bisexuals report experiencing a negative employment decision based on their sexuality So that's just some of the statistics that, uh, that I can share with you and having said that, uh, you know, the recent studies that show that bisexuals make up the majority of the LGBT community. Um, my friend Zachary Zane, who's also an activist in America, did this research and he found that, um, between 1970 and 2010, uh, of all the research done on LGBT IQ aspects of the $487 million that was, that, that's been assigned to research, only 84,000 went to bisexuality of that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's almost negligible. <laughs> so yes, um, it's very important to raise awareness. Um, and it's very important to, to, you know, you asked this question, mm. why? And I can't give you the answer. Mm. And I think r- further research need to go into that. Mm. And I do believe that there is a large, you know, uh, there's a large, there's a large part of the stigma that's around there. You know, to give you, to give you an example, I came out at 29 to my wife okay I waited 29 years before I told my wife that I am bisexual and uh, was
1: there fear in that yes to, when I was you? 17
2: when I was 17 I went to uh, a religious a religious pastor and I told him I'm gay and he said that uh, it's wrong you've got a demon inside of you and uh, oh, exorcism yeah. and it was the, so the first time i reached out to an adult that was supposed to give me affirmation mm. and help me it was met with animosity and right? i think
1: that happens to so many people so
2: many people and uh, i'm actually glad that i don't know i forgot his name because i think i would have shared his name <laughs> freely um <laughs> to be honest with you so that people could steer away from that guy but the the you know so there's definitely uh, um stigma around it mm. and so yes Coming out to my wife It was riddled with fear
1: And um, what was her response?
2: Initially it was Shock You know Because you know What does this mean? I think mm. that was the, You know That was the big question mark. What does this mean for us And what does it mean For our relationship? Mm. But uh, um, You know Through lots of talking And also going to therapy You know it's fine now. So,
1: that's the biggest thing is, or well, not the biggest, but anyway, one of them in this whole spectrum and in, in this journey is learning to communicate. Oh, yeah. And we <laughs> don't have a skill. We, we're not taught how to communicate no, we don't about have these issues. And I teach almost everybody who comes to see me how to communicate about these things, yeah,
2: especially around sex and sexuality. Yeah. You know, um, I was actually thinking on my way here, yeah, my, my sex talk with my parents involved a 30 minute car ride. From my dad, with my dad somewhere, I would think we went to Kailami to go watch a race or something. And that was the extent of my dad talking to me about mm. sex and sexuality. And at school, I mean, you're not taught anything proper at school. Um, we, you know, we need more education, you know, for, for younger people. And, uh, you know, we in the absence of that, um, absence of that, we need to at least in our relationships talk to people freely and this forced me to talk you know to be open Mm. Uh, and this forced me to um have open communication with my wife and uh, had i not been bisexual i think i would have been you know i wouldn't have been as open and and honest with my wife Mm. as i am today it's
1: interesting that our sex education uh, it's one of my big platforms and we talk about it so much that it's firstly very fear-based Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on not to get pregnant, how not to get HIV or AIDS yes. or any of the other STIs. <clears throat> it's not pleasure based at all. F- Fear mongering is, is, is yeah. unhealthy. <laughs> but the second thing yeah. about it is, it's not emotionally connected. Mm. It's not emotionally based. So we get a certain amount of biological information. Yeah, and there's a great uh, TED talk by a woman called Peggy Orenstein who talks about the fact that we are <clears throat> the. De- She gives a talk on how young women view their pleasure, and it's totally in in, in connection with male pleasure Mm. compared to that. Where men, we were taught about boys' erections and ejaculation, but women are taught about periods and unwanted pregnancy. Mm. Um, But there's no emotional education in Mm. that. There's no emotional context. Mm. Never mind the pleasure context. There's nothing about emotion. It's very biological, Mm. matter of fact. Which is even limited And often based on myth Rather than on fact yeah. But um, There's no emotional connection We're not taught to communicate emotionally Where is your heart that's very true. In this that's
0: very I true. think that's it's got so much to do With the, the connection between sexuality and shame mm. And I think this is not something That is exclusive to the bisexual Homosexual or pansexual community no, it's across Shame <laughs> is associated with sex Across the, all the yeah. orientations mm. But I think the most important thing that any one of us can do is to come out of the shadows and talk as what we're doing right now is discussing these things. I mean, in South Africa, we have this very large community of what is known as after nines and after nine is a, a man who ad- identifies publicly in society as heterosexual. Many of them are married and have children. And after 9 PM at night, They'll go to their local pub or lo- local tavern mm. and find other men uh, who may identify as gay or might identify also as an after nine, and engage in sexual intimate mm. relationships with these other men. But it's completely on the down low mm. and it's hidden and it's and it's hidden from th- their families, hidden from their spouses and the issue around hiding everything is that you, you put yourself in a situation where you cannot get resources. Mm-hmm. You can't get help and expertise. It's very difficult to, to help someone or to provide primary sexual health care um, to somebody who is who, who's hiding? Mm. Who's not out there? And so, I mean, so most of the evidence that we have about the after nine community in South Africa, particularly, is that it's a huge community. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of men, but it, but it's very difficult for us to nail down those stats because there's so much fear. People don't come out, and and mm. uh, there's a lot of. I mean, I know from my experience living in Cape Town in my twenties, um, it was often discussed how on a buddy night on a Thursday night uh, at certain steam baths. And for facilities that, that were available for men to have uh, experiences with other men. It, you know, there were many, many men walking around there with uh, wedding bands on. This is mm-hmm. when, uh, when gay marriage or same-sex mm-hmm. marriage was not yet allowed in South Africa. So I know for a fact that those men were married to people of the, of the, you know, yeah. from the, I still, in my practice, I still see that men That's who rife.
1: have been in a, a, a hetero relationship for however many years. Um, and are either suddenly realizing this, that that is yes. who they are, mm. or it's been there for so long and it's simply never been expressed or mm. shared.
0: And the the problem is, is then exposing themselves mm. to the risks of engaging in sexual acts mm. with, with other people and then not being open and honest about those acts with their spouses mm. and then potentially you know there's just so much potential for for causing harm to so many more people yeah. because you're not communicating yeah.
1: you know it comes down to something really interesting that I talk about a lot which is we are not taught to love ourselves mm. yes. we're not taught to honor ourselves and not only sexually but across the spectrum mm. of the expression of every part of who we are um and if we did the relationships we chose would be very different the jobs we chose would be very different the lifestyle we choose to live Mm. Would be a very different experience Definitely And what does RuPaul say?
0: If we can't love ourselves are How are I... you going to love anybody else? Can you? I get an amen up in here? Amen <laughs> So something else I just wanted to add Because it seems as though we're saying that uh, Not directly But it, we could be perceived as saying that Bisexual people uh, are all polyamorous that's not necessarily no. the case mm-hmm. no, no, no. many b- bisexual people identify as monogamous yes. and are you know and whoever they fall in love with that's the one and that's the mm-hmm. person that they want to be with so if you know if you are worried about being bisexual and thinking that that means that you will always have to have the option of sleeping with somebody you know various genders that's not the, necessarily the case
1: yeah. but again it's the spectrum that spectrum. a lot of gay people are monogamous A lot of gay people are not. Yes, too. A lot of straight people are monogamous and a lot of straight people are not. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of humans are monogamous and a lot of humans are not.
0: Exactly. It's so
1: simple. So, so,
2: um, just uh, uh latching on to what Bruce was saying about um, don't vice. latch
1: on to Bruce. That's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only going to lead to trouble. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you what do you but mean? I'm have a Lego lot block. Of, but you're going to have a lot of fun along the way. <laughs> okay. Well, that's <laughs> Amen. that's perfectly
2: fine then. Um So, so uh you know, there's there are for me. I experienced a hell of a lot of isolation because I didn't have anyone to talk to about bisexuality and being bisexual in my feelings. So, the support group that we started um so we run social events um for Ambi where we just go and have fun, and we also have then more serious support group meetings where we go to out in Pretoria um and then we just sit around and we talk about um you know bisexuality and it's a safe space for people to talk about their experiences their um their fears their wants um And, uh, you know, it's totally anonymous. It's safe. Uh, it's, uh, a lot of people that come there, um, are not out uh, and some people are working at becoming out. So it's just a a nice place to, to provide support to people that are similar to, to us. Where do
1: people find and buy?
2: So the, um, the website is www.meetup.com forward slash A-M-B-I-J-N-B forward slash. Um, and then they can also email me at I at Um, yeah. And, uh, we, it's going great. And I have to say that, uh, um, I've met quite a number of friends, uh, through that, through that group. Mm. Um, and it's great. Uh, we need to be, we need to have these support systems and a sense of community, you know, um, social, social isolation is a big issue in the LGBT community. It's and huge. There are, and
1: the desperation yes. and the
2: heartache that that yes. brings is enormous. And, uh, um, you know, it's not easy for bisexual people to be out, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, and this at least helps at, uh, creating a sense of community.
0: Yeah. Can I just say if, if anyone does identify as, uh, if, if there are any guys out there who identify as bi or, um, pansexual, if you want to go and, and speak to a clinician or get some sexual health care from somebody that is completely open to whatever your orientation may be, you can go to www.healthformen. It's health and the number four, men.co.za and you, there's a clinic finder there. You can find the clinic that's closest to you. Or you can check out yellow dot doctors and there's a list of doctors who will be able to help you with your primary healthcare needs. And this, as you said, you know, the thing is just reach out, communicate. Isolation is a killer. It it literally kills people. So don't be isolated. Go out there, empower yourself. And yeah, it's just another way to love yourself really is what it is.
2: I I forgot to say to to tell the two stories and uh, now's the time. The importance of having a a health practitioner, whether or not it's a therapist, a counselor, um, um, or a general practitioner or whatever, that would not judge you is very important. There's two cases. um, I spoke to a guy that uh, um, he was 19 and he went to a therapist. And he told the therapist that he thinks he's bisexual. Clinical psychologist. And the guy said, there's no such thing as bisexuality. Hmm. You're attracted to men, you are gay. And listening to this guy, he took that and he's been living as a gay man ever since. But he still wonders whether or not he's actually bi. So that's problematic, firstly. Another another friend of mine in New York, which is very strange. I mean, this is New York City in America, probably one of the most progressive cities in the world. A bisexual guy goes to a general practitioner. He says he wants to go on PrEP. Pre-exposure prophylaxis Mm -hmm. Firstly the doctor says What is that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's shocking And it is is, is, still happening It is
2: shocking And so firstly he said What is that? And then he he told the doctor What it is Then he said I'm I'm not going to prescribe it for you You need to change your lifestyle and uh, he actually reported the doctor, which is great. Yay! Um, um, but uh, you know, these great. things these things happen. So it's you know, it, going to your normal GP does not necessarily mean that person is going to be understanding of your needs. So listen to what Bruce said and mm. go and look at people that won't judge you yeah. if you
1: go to them. Listen, the thing is that with 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 therapists of any description, um, whatever kind of therapy, from medical doctors across the spectrum. Everybody is a human being And they bring their personal stuff Into that work Yes, And there's no judgment on any mm. of that It's simply important to find somebody Who will understand where you are Because yes. the same thing happens with people Who want to express various fetish and kink behaviors yes. um, And express that part of themselves Where a lot of therapists Deem that as being um, unhealthy And even more than that yes, As it being pathological So it's exactly the same thing, that to understand the fullness of being human is incorporating the fullness of our sexuality, our sensuality, and our hearts Mm. in all of its beautiful expression, Mm. which is literally limitless.
0: Mm. I think that's such a powerful statement because, you know, people are naturally discerning when it comes to, for example, choosing... You can quote me, Bruce. know I do. I do. But people are so discerning when it comes to things like... Sourcing a hairdresser hmm. So you know We will go through I don't know how many Hairdressers in our lives To find the one That cuts our hair The way that we like it And then we will go back But then you step into Any doctor's <sighs> surgery Or any uh, And you just think The first psych- psychologist like or first psychotherapist That you find Is going to be the one for hmm. you You need to be As discerning If not more discerning uh, for the person that you choose to help you with your primary health care needs and with your sexual health and with your your state of mind. If you are going to find a psychotherapist or a counselor or a psychologist, you need to make sure that that person's, because everybody has biases, everybody has mm. limitations, everybody has blind spots or blinkers mm. that they're unaware mm. of. But you need to try and find somebody who is compatible with you. That's not going to project their ignorance Onto you And limit your potential You want somebody That's going to help you fly Somebody that's going to help you Be the best version of yourself yeah. And that's what's so important That's that,
2: You know Bruce That's great I've never thought about it like that I mean Exactly the same analogy You shop around for clothing Right <laughs> you know, <laughs> Exactly you, you, know, you should actually go and Shop around for a Yeah GP but it's the same therapist. thing Exactly and
1: I work in a way that says Anything that you want to do We come and talk We meet, does it resonate with you? Does it resonate with me? And from there, Mm. we can go somewhere. And that's one of the most important things. When you have that connection, you create possibilities. We're going somewhere else for just a little bit. But these are really important conversations, and we're really going to continue this Mm. over time and go into Mm. it deeply. So I really thank you for being here. That doesn't mean you can go. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for so, having me, Jonty Thank you So, we did, a couple of weeks ago We did a, a live broadcast, an outside broadcast From the Lifestyle Nursery Which was absolutely fantastic We had lots of fun, and we behaved ourselves
0: mm.
1: Everybody kept their clothes on Oh, <laughs> It's okay, the new show's coming And you're going to be called on that,
3: Bruce <laughs> Okay So,
1: until then, Damon Johnson is with us Damon, what do you do at Lifestyle
3: I'm in charge of the plant section. Um, I manage the nursery and the plants and that okay. sort of thing, help customers.
1: Cool. You know. So one of the things that you have to offer us, and it's such an important thing, is to help people create a sensual space for their experiences. And I teach everybody this who comes to see me, and it's so important. So the physical elements of this are, think about sensuality. So think about Candles. Think about cushions. Think about incense. Think about smell. Think about taste. Think about There we go. All <laughs> sorts of things. And you guys have so much to offer for that.
3: Yeah, I think uh, the plants create quite a sort of unique experience, depending on what your uh, in plan is and that sort of thing. Um, in terms of creating essential spaces, and that garden's very important, mm. um, depending on what plants you use. Um, you could basically take yourself out of the city and um, put yourself anywhere in the world virtually.
1: And that's beautiful. and That's amazing. And it's an amazing connection with nature. And it doesn't really matter where you live, whether you're in a flat, whether you're in a house. You can do that using these amazing plants. Very
3: much so. Um, you know, you can create uh, so many different uh, experiences and feelings just relating to what you what you have in your garden Hmm. Um, you've got your fragrance plants you've got your um, herbs and veggies uh, you've got so many different things that can create uh, a feeling of well-being a a sense of euphoria you know literally taking yourself out of the common every day and putting you into a totally different uh, experience completely.
1: I have to say this just because Tamar is not here, but when you say vegetables, I know exactly kind of where Tamar
0: goes. So.
3: <laughs> yep, we know exactly where Tamar would have gone
1: with that. Where that's going. But that's really cool. And, you know, the, the scent of plants is amazing because of how that can help you create atmosphere. Um, and s- smell is an incredibly important sense When it comes to sensuality mm. It's very interesting Because it's such a subconscious sense yeah, definitely. Um, And we've lost an enormous power Of our sense of smell Because it used to be very linked to survival And we don't use it for that anymore Because we don't need it
3: yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you if you if you think most of your perfumes, most of your 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 scents that you that you, you get out there are created by plants. Yeah, that's um, the
1: base of them.
3: Very much so. So,
1: and smell is such an important element of attraction to somebody, Huge. and it's so subconscious. Mm. And Pheromones You can walk past yeah. somebody, and there can be this moment of. <gasps> mm. <laughs> And you just get absolutely lost, and yeah. you just want to kind of wrap yourself in yeah, that.
0: definitely. Yeah, I it's, agree. It's um beautiful. You know,
3: some of the uh, plants, for example, like a gardenia or uh, your lavenders, those sort of things, they really take a mind to a certain place, mm. uh, to a certain memory, to... Uh, a different uh, yeah. destination That's
1: an important one The memory of smell Because so many of our memories Are locked up in that Like childhood baking smells For example Or a mother or grandmother That held you You know my mother Had a very distinctive Of fragrance Yeah um, Very much And so. it's amazing So Agreed. Personally My favorite flower Is Any ideas Brucey Take a guess
0: Your favorite flower yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know why, but the, I, I, I thought it was probably the same flower as mine, which is the passion flower, oh. Passiflora. Oh,
1: it's actually not, but oh. it's close. Frangipani. Okay.
3: Now, that's a, that, that's a plant with an amazing smell.
1: Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. It's so sensual, and for me, it just has so many amazing images and, and possibilities. Yeah, I'll
3: take you straight down to the islands, basically. Yeah, yeah. very
1: much so, that yeah. real tropical... Yeah, yeah, very much so. And it's an amazing thing. You know, there's a beautiful thing that you can do with your partner. You can do it with aromatherapy oils, but you could do it with flowers. So you have to find flowers with a sense, with yeah. with a fragrance. And I agree. And if you blindfold your partner and you gently wave a flower under their nose hmm. and take it away, and they just get that, oh, this little sense of that. Mm. And then you bring it back again, and they just get this little moment, oh, and that's really amazing of how that can go inside of you.
3: Yeah, okay, I think I think so. it, it, it sort of you sparks. The, I think it sparks the you know the, that inner sense. That, yes, um, like you say, if you blindfold, um, literally you're relying on all your other senses to actually create that emotion. So I, I agree. Mm.
1: And the different elements of 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 plants. Um, to take for example, leaves of different plants. Again, blindfold your partner. A rose petal on the
3: body is going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a common uh, you know one of the things that uh, a lot of people tend to do. Yeah, they tend to put uh, your rose petals, you know, on a night of passion. Mm. Um, yeah. Absolutely.
1: So the thing with rose yeah. petals, you can create a beautiful. Um, Seen with rose petals and candles and things That uh, you can go I don't know if Do you guys do like pack,
3: pack, packets of rose petals? Um, not at the moment um, We're always looking to sort of evolve our, our product lines And things like that But it definitely is, you know f- For your Valentine's mm. Days and things like that It's definitely something we would consider so
1: Every day should be Valentine's Day, David I agree Every day
3: I have to agree Absolutely 365 wait. days a don't year Don't wait for the mm. special
1: moments Because you don't know when you're not going to have time for the special moments no. but So the thing with rose petals They stain your sheets So either have sheets that are Especially for play or go do it In a hotel and run away
0: <laughs> You heard it from John T Go yes. do it in a hotel and run away Yes.
1: So go to Lifestyle Go and find Damon and it will help you Find the most awesome things And they've got all these shops there that have these beautiful Cushions and candles and mm. incense and all sorts Of things to help you create This sensual space so, we have some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, next water massage is on the 27th. Do it. 27th. Are you coming, Mr. Little?
0: I might. I might not be here. You
1: might. What is this nonsense? <laughs> I might. You are invited. So, are all you guys from Lifestyle can experience something new. So, cool. we did something last week that was interesting. I, wrote an artic- I read an article that I had written, and we got a really cool response. So I'm going to do that this morning. Um, So it was about men, what we were talking about. Because I work more and more with men who are struggling with their sexuality Mm. and their sensuality. And when men are willing to talk, to learn, to heal, to grow, it is amazing because of the impact it can have on our world. Mm. So this was about loving touch. I had a moment recently of intense sadness that brought me to tears. I lay with the feeling, allowing it to move through me. And in time, it brought me to a place of beautiful possibility. The sadness was the realization that I have in the past years received very little loving touch. In that moment, I felt a connection with so many men. Men I've worked with, men I've spoken with, men I know, men I know about. So many of us. Men whose pain I've witnessed, felt, and heard. Men whose pain I've read about, all of us. And instead of looking for something outside, I turned it inwards. And the possibilities began to emerge from the pain. First came the questions. Do we know, us men, what loving touch is? Can we allow it? Can we surrender to it? Can we open to it? Can we allow ourselves to be touched with tenderness? Are we willing to receive that? Can we take it out of the realm of sexuality? Can we allow our bodies, our genitals, to be acknowledged and caressed with a love that is just giving, a space where there is no expectation, no performance, not even erection? Have we been so conditioned that that is where touch takes us, that pleasure and sex have become the same thing, and in truth they're not, that we don't even know the difference, that we're so locked into the cycle of conditioned patterns that we don't know how else to be, what else to do? that beyond the sexual response we don't know what else there is. What do we have to release to begin to feel something more than just sexual arousal? How willing are we to redefine ourselves as sensual and sexual men? How willing are we to allow ourselves to be held as strong vulnerable men? How willing are we to connect? How willing are we to connect with our hearts, to live with our hearts? How intimate are we willing to be? How willing are we to receive love, to be loved? And in that moment, it struck me. Our identification with pleasure has become so much about our genitals and sex that there's a huge disconnect with so many other parts of ourselves. We experience low level sensation. We focus all our energy on the closed loop of orgasm rather than the endless horizon of possibilities. We change it by moving to our hearts. We change it by feeling, by being willing to feel. We change it by opening everything. We change it by letting go of the masks, the armor, the expectations, the patterns, the conditioning, the beliefs. We change it by allowing ourselves to be loved. We change it by surrendering surrendering to the hearts and the hands that will hold us. We change it by loving. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we've been talking about with Werner, is how do we become these men of
0: love beautiful how I've,
1: do we become these sensual men in touch with nature in touch with life in touch with all that we are
2: i've just sent you i just sent you the link to the to the bisexual.org uh, article that's uh, titled touch isolation how, how
1: homophobia has robbed all men of touch thank okay, you look at it. thank you Damon, we're going to talk to you more in the future because I know you guys are going to be involved with Cliff Central. Yeah. So we're going to talk much more about sensuality and everything else. I wish you all so much pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: This is CliffCentral.com.